This episode of United We Stand is sponsored by Bet on Brazil. Visit betonbrazil.com for the very latest odds and offers. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. My name's Andy Mitten and I'm speaking from Rotterdam, the second biggest city in the Netherlands uh, after Amsterdam. I flew to Amsterdam this morning, took a train via Den Haag and I've just arrived on an absolutely gorgeous September afternoon. Like parts of the UK, Holland has been experiencing record temperatures for September. Uh, the last time I was in Rotterdam was a couple of days after United played Ajax in 2012 and I remember it being freezing. That's my abiding memory of that trip, that it was freezing. Of course, deeper back in my mind, I remember coming here with United in 97 when Andy Cole scored a hat-trick in a 3-1 win and more importantly in 1991 winning the European Cup Winners' Cup on a, a really wet night. So three of the four trips here associating them first one with heavy rain the last one with it being absolutely freezing and now it's completely roasting but I'm not going to talk about the weather I've walked away from Rotterdam Central Station stunning building if you're into architecture that's been finished since I was last year and I'm walking through the main pedestrianised area of the city centre I walk past a bar full of fine old lads you can just tell and they're drinking it's pretty early so you can just sense that the ingre- there are ingredients for there to be trouble here. You'll be listening to this way after the match. You'll know better than I do, but the game is being played in front of a crowd of approximately 26,000 instead of 51,000 because of trouble at previous Feyenoord matches. And then I continued walking past the um, police vans. There's a load of them at the top of the street. There's a police helicopter above as well. And I I then walked down to a street which is full of United fans drinking. And I remembered it from 1997 when I came. It's a bar where I was drinking with my mates. No problems in the afternoon of the game. And then the following day I saw in the British newspapers it had been attacked by Manchester United fans because it was a place where final hooligans met up. And then I continued... Walking further down the street, which I'm on now, and to the left was a big, is a big fan zone. That's for home fans. I just tried to get in it, and they saw that it was English and said it's for Feyenoord fans, and pointed me back to where I'd come for where the United fans are. There's 1,600 United fans here. I think it's 1,400 normal tickets, and a couple of hundred have got execs, which is a lot lower than less than half of the 4,000 who came in, in 97. But United have had their allocation cut just because Feyenoord have given us a percentage of the capacity for this match. So that's not fair because United fans have done nothing wrong and yet they've got a, a, a very small allocation. This is the game which most United fans would like to be at. Even though it's the first match in the Europa League, it's far more attractive to come to Holland in September than to try and get to Ukraine in, in December. And what's the other one? Uh, Fenerbahce, that's an hard one. Great city, Istanbul, but in November it's, uh, it's a lot trickier to get to than, than, than Rotterdam. But United haven't got a big uh, allocation. I still think the atmosphere will be brilliant, even with half the seats blocked off or empty. Uh, fine order, a great football club. They won the European Cup in 1970. 
they're not going to come close to winning it now because they're playing a smaller league and there's not enough money. So you can draw a couple of parallels with Celtic or Rangers. Celtic won the European Cup. They're just in a small league, so they don't get television money, so they can't buy decent players. And part of me is sad that that, that, that is happening to formerly great clubs. Not that any Feyenoord fan would hear me describing them as formerly great. They're currently top of the Dutch league. They've won all five games so far this season. I spoke to somebody who knows Dutch football very well this morning. They said they finally got a good striker, a very good centre-half, a couple of good young players. They managed to keep hold of them. And in Giovanni Dos Bronkhorst, um, Van Bronkhorst, sorry. Um, they've got a, a promising young coach. And there are a couple, Philip Koku at PSV. You'd, you'd expect him to be in the Premier League if he continues his progress in the next three or four years. So I'm going to head down towards the keep, the bowl. It's my favourite stadium in Holland. It's renowned for having a brilliant atmosphere. I like the Europa League in so much as you get to visit new places, or you tend to, although United have played in Fenerbahce before and played here before, but there's more likelihood of, of getting somewhere where you've not been to before. Uh, there's going to be a much-changed squad. Um, fringe players will be getting a, a chance. I'm told that a couple of the bigger guns will be kept on the bench and, until they're needed. Uh, I, I know uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has spoke to some of his friends who he met when he played at Ajax, when he arrived as a young lad, not knowing anybody, and he struck up some friendships then with people which... Um, endure to this day some of his best friends are people that he met in Amsterdam uh, arriving as a, a young professional and then I'm going to see who we're going to speak to along the way maybe United fans, maybe Feyenoord fans, maybe journalists let's just see how it goes uh, I'm walking well I, first of all I need to find out where I am it's full of people dressed in shorts, flip flops it really is a beautiful day but enough about the weather, let's get on to the game. It's half-time in Feyenoord's famous bowl. There's a song just coming to an end to the tune of Glory, Glory, Man United. Well, that's what it seems to me, but when you think about it more, United got it from an old music hall called the, the Halls of Montezuma, something like that. I'm sure someone will correct me. And with Rob Dawson from the Manchester Evening News. Rob, it's been pretty poor in the first half, hasn't it? Yeah, real, well, yeah, really poor, but it's always to be expected, I suppose. You know, Mourinho's made a lot of changes. Um, a lot of players playing for the first time this season. Um, you know, it's, it's unfair to expect them to come in straight away and hit the ground running. And it's going to take time, and, and that's what we kind of see in the first half. The teams are just coming out for the second half now. We're not sure what changes have been made. Um, was it fair then to bring Lingard and Mkhitaryan on? in the derby and expect them to play? No, I mean, I, I think everyone was surprised at that. You know, Lingard hasn't played since the Community Shield. Mkhitaryan was obviously injured on international duty. Um, to throw them into a game like that that was going to be played at such a high tempo was always going to be a risk and, and that's what it, that's how it turned out. And obviously Mourinho saw that as well and had to take off at half-time. Um, it was a very strange decision, obviously one that didn't pay off. And, and in fairness to Mourinho, he accepted that after the game. When they make a lot of changes, I noticed Barcelona made seven changes at the weekend and lost a game. It's difficult to change so many and expect the team to play well, especially at a difficult place like this. I know Feyenoord are not technically as good as Manchester United, but got a brilliant home team behind, crowd behind them. They've won every game they've played so far in the league, and they've got some decent players as well. Yeah, I mean it would be difficult for any, anyone playing tonight 
you know, you've got Feyenoord who are playing in this, this great stadium, you've got crowd behind him, pressing everything, crowd going mad, you know, it would be difficult for anyone and throw into that players that are playing for the first time, you know, players have never played with each other before, so um, it's just added to the difficulty of it all and, and that's what we've seen in the first half, hopefully going forward it's going to get a bit better. There's some offensive music being played now, which I'm sure the 1400 United fans high on the third tier in a, in a stadium they've got very happy memories of. Oh, they're even going to start singing You'll Never Walk Alone. They are as well. Um, prediction for the second half, Rob. I know it's been poor in the first half, but I'm going for United to win. Yeah, United to win, you know, better team than Feyenoord. Maybe a late winner, maybe Ibrahimovic off the bench. Well, he, he wants to, because he knows that he's hated here from, when, from his Ajax days. And he really wanted to play in this game. He wanted to feel the hatred dripping down from the stands. If he comes on, he'll certainly feel that. Second half has just started. Fingers crossed. Thanks, Rob. United lost the game, and after the team had to rush off to the airport because... There are no night flights out of Rotterdam. It's a tiny airport after 11pm. Before that, Jose Mourinho spoke to the media. I think in the first half, not especially ambitious attitude. I'm not saying bad, but I'm not saying with the ambition you need to win football matches. We were not trying to win, we were just in control of the game and waiting for the possibility to win or not to win. The second half was different. In the second half was exactly when when we were trying to win and Feyenoord was trying not to lose that uh, they scored they score the goal which I think we don't we don't deserve. I think they fought really hard as expected but I think we show much better control and much more ambition to win in the second half, which was exactly when we lost. So did, did that disappoint you that the first half, the lack of ambition that you showed? Yeah, I always expect, I always expect uh, maximum ambition and maximum focus, doesn't matter the competition, doesn't matter the opponent. I am very pragmatic in, in, in my approach to matches and competitions the, the next match and the next competition we play is always the most important so I, I look to this game with, um, with proper eyes you can say I ah, you change eight players okay I change eight players but uh, I played with a good team I played with, uh, with enough good players to to win the, the match in the second half they answer to my to my words in, in at the half time. And I repeat, it's more disappointing because it's exactly in our best period that, that we lose the game. In the last three years, confidence has been a difficult thing amongst the players. And you're here now. Is that, is that one of the tasks when we build confidence? Certainly some of the players, you might see squad players rather than automatic stuff. No, when you, when you lose matches, there are no miracles in terms of, um, of the player's soul. No, you, you win matches. People is happy and is full of confidence. You lose matches, and people is sad and 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 feel it. That's the normal nature of uh, of football players. But of course, I'm here to try not to let them 
be in a negative uh, mood or in a negative uh, in a negative period because we lost we lost two matches in in four days. I think two matches where um, we didn't play well for 90 minutes, but two matches where we deserve a better a better result than than what we did. No, first of all, I have players that uh, that are not here. Uh, I have uh, players that didn't play here for ninety for ninety minutes. So it's not a problem of accumulation. I know that we play midday on on Sunday, and in this moment is uh, is nine p.m. on, on, on Sunday. But we are professionals. Let's not make a, an excuse for Saturday, for Sunday, because we we have to play this game. The players are professional; they have to be fit, and and they are, and they have to be mentally strong to play them. I don't like to individualize too much because I answer to your question. Then your mate comes with, with another name, and it's something that I I don't like. I think he was like the team. It was like the team. In the first half, they were in control, but they were playing uh, half pace. In the second half was when they increased intensity, and uh, was when they conceded the goal. Yeah, it's again a question where I have to individualize, which I, I don't like to, but the reality is that some of them they played the first minute of the season today and uh, I cannot expect that the intensity, the sharpness, the, the quick thinking is there compared with, with final players with six matches, every time the same players five in the league and one in, in the Super Cup with much more intensity than some of our of our boys so I couldn't expect much more from two or three of my of my guys that played the first the first game. Because this this defeat and the one we lost again shows the scale of the task that you face at this part getting to where you wanted to be. Well but when we won the community shield and the three Premier League matches I was not in the moon. I was not saying that uh, we are a phenomenal team and we are going to destroy every opponent. I always told yes, good start, yes, very good start. But I never, I never was in, I never was in the moon. I know that the situation is not click your fingers and everybody is is perfect. But to be honest, I think we we didn't play phenomenal matches in these two defeats, but in both, I think it's, it's a punishment for the team because we, we deserve more than the results we got. So is it a big okay, last question on this match. Excuse me? Is the fact that you've lost two games in six days a big setback or something that you feel you can come back from high season? I don't think easy, but I think the game on, on Sunday will be an independent game, is a, a new event, is another 
is another match. Starts minute zero zero zero. So I think it has nothing to do with the previous two matches. But obviously, when you lose matches, the 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 mood, the feeling is not the same. That's 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 normal. But I think we are we are experienced people and. Uh, the players are good guys, very good guys, and uh, I know they want. I know they want to to win. I know they want to work. So that's what, what we have to do. Okay, questions now on Watford, and this is embargoed until tomorrow evening. Is it, is it a, a big change, Jose, to come from Serie A to the Premier League as um, Paul Pogba has? Does it take? Will it take a long time for him to just? Because we haven't seen the best of him. We haven't seen the world record player. Have we? Well, the world record player has is always a is always a question that will be open until until somebody breaks breaks the record. And um, I think there are clubs that they pay 20, 30, 40, which is a bigger deal than what Man United paid paid for uh, for Paul because. You make a relation between what you pay and the club revenue. And you Ivan van Duren, I-W-A-N-V-A-N-D-U-R-E-N, working for Football International, that's the main uh, football magazine in Holland. I know all about it. I'm friends with uh, Ty Slegers. Oh, it is he. Yeah, he had a relegation to PSV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke to him this morning. Okay. He was, uh, good guy. He's a good guy. So. Yeah. You, you, you write for a, a well-respected uh, football magazine, as you say. What's your opinion of what you've seen tonight in the keep between Manchester United and Feyenoord? Um, that's uh, United, the big, big United. Which for Feyenoord is an important match because they get the glory. And for United, again, in the Europe League, we know it by now. I think they lost the last three games already. And I think they're... Uh, Again, they made the same mistake. They don't take it serious enough because a United plays 100%, I think wins 99 of the 100 times from this Feyenoord. And what the Feyenoord players said, our only chance was if the United players would give 5% less, 95%. I think that's exactly what happened. And that's what they've been saying? That's what the Yeah, yeah, and that's what Kuyf was also saying. Because everyone said, yeah, well, of course we don't have a chance against United. And, and United is building up a reputation that it's a, a team to beat, and that's that's very dangerous, I think, because a team like Feyenoord, of course, it's a really big team in Holland, but the team costed, well, you've got your pounds in England, of course, but it's nine million euro. Yeah. What's the cost of this team? I don't know what the euro pound is, but well, it, it's it's a lot um, better for you than it was before Brexit. <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> but nine million, that's that's, yeah. that's uh, no, what, no, three toes of three Yeah, and and I mean. This is the opponent you're playing against, and uh, in Holland this is big, and Rotterdam is partying the whole week. That also shows how big the match is for the people here. And for United, they, uh, it's a small match. And I think this is also the new... Mourinho said a couple of years ago also the, the European League, Europe, Europe League is for losers. And of course now he has to say different things, but I don't understand for United to win the Europe League. This is better than uh, playing like this, because you make... In Holland, everybody looks up to United, and they come, they lose last year against PSV with Van Gaal, they come with Mourinho, they lose again, and you also have something like an image, and uh, that's disappointing. But that's as a journalist, uh, that's all the fans in Holland will, they're partying the whole night through, and uh, 
think Feyenoord has a super team, but as a journalist, I think that's uh, that's amazing. And I also expect that after the City game, you don't want to lose twice in a row with the club as United. And uh, so I think this might hurt a little bit more than it hurt at Van Gaal. You mentioned Van Gaal twice. What is the perception of him in Holland now about how he did it, Manchester United, about how he was treated? I sense, and I may be wrong, that um, when he signed, people were saying, well, you don't know what you're in for with Van Gaal, he's mm-hmm. stubborn, he's problematic. And at the end, I sense that people here felt a little bit sorry for him and that he'd been treated quite roughly by Manchester United by being sacked two days after winning a trophy. But that was just my perception from mm-hmm. afar, I don't know. Well, everybody here, uh, as of course, we know Fajal is a very good uh, coach, but we also know uh, everybody has to go his way. And United is a really big club. And of course, the way he was fired could have been a bit neater. But, but uh, in the end, everybody was mainly shocked by the 10 million he got from United. And that it also says, again, the team tonight on the pitch was 9 million or 8 million so for us it's a different different. So Van Gaal was paid off more money than the entire final team yeah, cost exactly. to, to assemble. Yeah and that's like you, you're living a different galaxy. Yeah. Uh, well they are. In, in, yeah it's, it's a different it's, I always say I mean, in France you have this this, this, this big route uh, uh, really good highways you have to pay you go 180 you know and you have the route national you have to take every roundabout every round and we're driving on the roundabout and United is on the payage and nobody ever knows how we defeated them but it's due to United and Fagal. Uh, he didn't manage it, but it was not the first time. In Holland also he became one time uh, 11th in the league. And uh, I mean, he's not uh, Superman. And uh, United, he's used to uh, work with young people. Kaj uh, said me on the World Cup when they become 30, he said, it, if that had taken one day longer, we all would have been dead because he pressed us like a lemon. And we couldn't take it that way. And I think that United was too big for Fagal in the end. Thank you for your time. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm my pleasure. I hope you can make a nice article. Manchester United lost the game to a single goal. Um, game finished about half an hour ago, and I'm stood in an empty Feyenoord stadium. Empty but for Paul Scholes, Owen Hargreaves and Michael Owen, who are still talking pitch side, no doubt delivering uh, quite strong opinions. And with another gentleman who works for television, James Cooper from Sky TV. Um, as long as you can hear us with, with this music in the background. There's been quite a selection of music here tonight, wasn't there? Yeah, I think it's safe to say that's the worst music we've heard anywhere in the world. I mean, at least some of the tunes early on were recognisable, but, you know, the Dutch clearly have got a fixation with tunes about Feyenoord and getting it into it anywhere they can, and uh, at least Paul Young has maybe lifted it up a little bit. 35,000 Dutchmen embracing, singing Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive at the final whistle. They seemed very happy with it, so each to their own. There were a lot of very colourful gentlemen just in front of us in the press box here, which I think is a good thing. I think everyone should be supporting football, but uh, yeah, it was certainly an eye-opening thing and probably one of the brighter things to come out of tonight's performance. It wasn't good, was it? It it wasn't good. It was almost like a kind of David Moyes, Louis van Gaal sort of performance and team kind of rolled into one. I think both men would look at that and think, well, has it moved on? I think the answer probably is the confidence isn't there amongst some of the squad players, and that's perhaps one of his biggest things. But I think at the moment, Jose's looking at that squad and thinking, who can I trust, who can I rely on, and who have I got to ditch? Albeit, of course, he can't really ditch them properly until January. It's still very early days. Maybe some people got carried away after the four wins. I know we're getting a reflex against that, two defeats. 
I've just watched Jose Mourinho in the post-match press conference. He still seems very re relaxed and composed. Yeah, I've got to say, I mean, that's not an easy week for Manchester United. I think they didn't expect to lose the Manchester Derby, and they did. And I don't think they came here expecting to lose either. So I think those two would have come as surprises to him. But he still fronted up. He still answered the questions. He's still talking very positively about his trust in the group, the fact the players want to do the things that he's asking them to do. I think it's just going to take longer than perhaps any of us imagined. And I think part of that is because they're in a bigger state than any of us feared after the three years following Sir Alex Ferguson. I think he's got a hell of a job on his hands and perhaps probably his biggest challenge as a club manager in football throughout his career, even though I don't think he'd admit that himself. We've got Tracy Chapman on now, fast car, which is a bit of a tune, actually. And They want a fast car out of here, I think. <laughs> uh, when David Moyes had been at the club a couple of years, a couple of months, he kept saying, there's far more to do here than anyone thinks and he was saying it first of all off the record and then it all unravelled badly and that statement even now people probably wouldn't take it seriously because who it came from Louis van Gaal said exactly the same thing and now Jose Mourinho is saying the same thing I, I think that he's a very talented manager I think he's a successful manager I think he'll do well as a Manchester United manager there is a massive job to do still. Yeah, I think my fear is, you know, you couldn't bl blame David Moyes too much with his spending. He wasn't allowed to spend. I think we look at the spending splurges under Louis van Gaal and, and, and you know, my question is, have we got even further away having spent even more money on Manchester United and are some of those players that a lot of people have paid a lot of money to come and watch on European travels over the last couple of years, are they really fit to be wearing a Manchester United shirt? I think some of them perhaps show tonight whether they have the quality, they perhaps haven't got the desire and I think Hopefully that's one thing that Jose Mourinho might turn around because it certainly seems to be a brittleness. And we've seen some stinking European performances under Sir Alex Ferguson as well, but never the brittleness that I think is in this side at the moment. And some of those players, they've not got a future at the club, but they earn so much money and they have contracts that they're just prepared to sit on. But Mourinho got four of the five players he wanted to bring in over the summer certainly the four main ones that he wanted to, to bring in but there are other lads there like Marcus Rojo who you know Manchester United will sell but they're not going to give him away for nothing and they're not going to subsidise all of his wages by sending him back to Sporting Lisbon so there's still some business to clear up and that may take a year or two Yeah it was interesting what he said in the press conference there because he wasn't asked about kind of lifestyles and, and earnings and yet he brought that up very readily and said look these guys earn an awful lot of money they can do whatever they like in their lives and I think by saying that, he was questioning their motivation as well. It's putting out there and saying, look, come on, you've got to motivate yourself. There's only so much I can do when you're driving to the training ground, these huge cars, and you have this life. Yeah, albeit in a, in a goldfish bowl, but a life that everyone probably listening to this podcast would dearly love to have and play for Manchester United. It doesn't get a lot better than that. But I think one of the glaring things I think they didn't do in this transfer window was bring in a right-back. And, and, you know, I'm not blaming everything on that, but I think you look there, and Valencia isn't a right-back. He's done well filling in. Damian looks so short of confidence, I don't think he'll rebuild that. And a year ago, he was United's best player at the start of, of last season, and he's had a terrible year He's since. almost playing tonight like a new signing, someone who doesn't know his teammates and hasn't got any confidence in his, own, in his own ability. Now, whether that's because he thought in the summer he'd be off somewhere else, that clearly didn't happen. I'm, you know, I was led to believe that he, had he gone, they would have brought someone in. But I think that, that right-back, it, it just adds a little bit more confidence to a back four that at the moment looks short of it. But having said that, tonight for me, Eric Bailly, he looks every inch a Manchester United player and, and he was doing some amazing things. His, his choice of passing, his pace, he really does look like the finished article and everyone's saying he's going to get better. Uh, I think Bailly's been the best player so far this season. I'm told in training he's an absolute beast. I'm told he's brilliant, doesn't care for reputation. 
Um, there were comparisons made with when Patrice Ebra first came to the club, just flying into people, don't care how much you cost, don't care what your name is. And he went down tonight over in the far corner from where we are now. And I felt if he's hurt, if he's down, he must really be hurt because he's such a strong person. I wonder whether... I know that United wanted Jose Font, maybe not to come in as first choice, but they wanted also to let one of the central defenders move on because before they buy Font. So there are little niggles all over the team, aren't you? Like you say, in the right-back, definitely in central defence. Font wanted to come. He was desperate to come to Manchester United, as you would be if you were, if you were him at his stage in, in his career. But a couple of losses it just flattens the mood a little bit doesn't it yeah it does I think you know I asked Jose Mourinho whether suddenly this becomes the biggest game of his Manchester United career I think it does after a week two games we didn't expect to lose and two high profile games that he lost and looks sounds bizarre going to Brookish Road Road is suddenly a challenge but I think it's a a challenge that Manchester United have got to reassert themselves and and, and make people think they might be title favourites I mean the other bizarre thing about tonight is that yeah all credit to Feyenoord but they won the Super Bowl, the Six Nations, the World Series uh, and the Premier League in this stadium tonight, the way they celebrated. It is a wonderful stadium to watch football, though. The yeah, atmosphere yeah, was, is brilliant. They, they were great and, you know, you don't begrudge them that, but I think at the moment, I think they beat the reputation, they beat the legend of Manchester United and I think the team they thought they beat isn't as good as the one they, that they maybe hoped it should have been. But, that they will talk about this night and that I guess is another great thing about Manchester United and the fans that they should remember it's still a huge scout no matter what state the club's in at the moment it's the name of the club correct yeah but they've not beaten the treble winners far from it no, no they haven't they've been a pale shadow of that but you've got a manager I think who looks committed to try and turn this round and realising that maybe his legacy as a manager perhaps it depends on it let's hope you're right have a safe flight back to Manchester here we go so that's it for this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Even though United's away form in Europe is becoming a little bit worrying. We will have podcasts from Istanbul and also from Ukraine as well. But before that, we've got the bright lights of Watford on Sunday and probably Northampton as well next week. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast this week. We've done four of them. We're not going to do four again. I don't think ever again. It's just the way that circumstances have thrown it up. But spread the word. We've put a lot of work into them. And now we're going to put a lot of work into the next United We Stand, starting bringing it all together. And it will be out against Leicester City. So we've got a really nice feedback to the first issue of the season. So we've got a good Paul McGuinness interview in the second United We Stand of the season. So watch out for it. We'll be putting the cover around social media this week. Until next time, goodbye.